Hi, it's Jill Schlesinger. And on this episode of Jill on Money, we are focusing on your career. Most of us have at least something within our job, within our roles that we're enjoying. And if you're not getting to do that or use that, that's probably a huge indicator that you should be doing something different. Welcome to the Jill on Money podcast. We are presented by Marcus by Goldman Sachs. You know, I think that as you head into the second half of the year, you might start to get geared up to figure out what is it that you're doing with your career? Is it on the right path? Do you need to make a shift? How can you really enjoy what you do? And if you don't enjoy what you do, how can you move to a different place? We've got a great guest for you today. His name is Scott Anthony Barlow. He hosts the Happen to Your Career podcast and is also a coach. So here's our interview with Scott Barlow. You're listening to Jill on Money with Jill Schlesinger. So we start the program with a question. Very easy question. You ready? What is the best money or career decision that you have made? Oh, my goodness. Best money or career decision that I have made? Yeah. Well, I have a different career decision. No, actually, no, they they are the same decision now that I think about it. This is a great question. I don't think I've ever been asked this question before. The best decision that I have ever made that also had a massive impact on my money and income and finances was in my very, very first job, first role out of college. I went into, I had actually moved my brand new bride down to Portland, Oregon, and got into a role that everybody told me was amazing. It was something that I'd been offered before I even graduated college. I had 20 people under under my belt that I was responsible for leading. It was it, from the outside looking in, it looked like everything wonderful. It paid really well. And I got down there, I started working, and I hated it. Just absolutely despised it. It was a terrible fit. It was a bad fit values. I was not very good at the role. There was a lot of things that were going wrong. And I kept going. Staying at this job, staying at this role, commuting two plus hours a day, and I, I gained a ton of weight. I think I gained almost 50 pounds. Like it was, it was horrifically unhealthy. So the decision that I made, I finally, after about a year of this, maybe a little bit over a year, I decided, look, I, I can't live this way. I've got to do something, anything about this. So I decided, okay, I'm going to go and talk to my boss. And I did. I called him up. He was in another state and said, hey, I want to have a meeting with you. I want to talk about my job, et cetera. And I told him, you know what? I don't think that this is a great fit. I think maybe I've made a mistake in taking this role. And it felt really good to have it off my my chest. And he agreed. He was he was saying, uh-huh. he was asking questions. He was trying to understand. And apparently he also thought it was a mistake because three weeks later he fired me. Oh, yeah. And it, it was rightfully deserved. I was really bad at the at the role. I was not getting the results, everything else. But the decision to actually do something about it was probably the best decision I've ever made because on every single facet, that was a bad, bad role, bad job for me. I mean, I learned a ton and the company and organization taught me a ton, but it just was not right. And I could feel it at every single level and making the decision to change that, to do something, anything to change that led to a whole series of other decisions. It, it led to one, 
uh, me nearly in tears and, and driving uh, home and having to pick up the phone and tell my wife that, hey, I, I know I moved you to Portland, Oregon, away from your family. And it was specifically for a job. And now I don't even have a job to show for it. And it, it led to me on that same car ride deciding I'm never, ever, ever going to do this again. I've got to figure this out. I, I have to understand how careers work. I have to understand, you know, how to earn money and do something that I really enjoy at the exact same time. So I spent the next probably about seven, eight, ten years really figuring that out for myself. I made a bunch of career changes, got lots of raises and promotions. It went from one dream job to another dream job, uh, and it kept getting better and better and better as I was going along. And as I was having that experience for myself and really figuring out the journey for me personally, I kept having the same conversation again and again and again, where coworkers, friends, people were saying, hey, whoa, hold on. You went from operations management to HR. How did you do that? Or wait a minute, you got a $40,000 raise in an off cycle? Like how, wait a minute, tell me about that. And they were taking me to coffee. So later on, I started helping other people do the exact same thing. And that's what led to my current company here called Happen to Your Career. What does happen to your career actually do? A lot of it is built into the name. A lot of it is built into the name in that happened to your career. If you really look at the, I get all nerdy about, you know, the etymology of the word and everything else along those lines. But if you look at the root words for career, it actually comes from several different things. One of which is uh, the same root word for carriage. And it basically, if you look at it, it means a wide path or in some cases, even the journey that you're on. So happened to your career literally means taking control of your journey. That is the mindset that uh, that we embody through everything that we do, helping people take control in sometimes places that they don't think they have any influence over. And that is a whole lot of what we do, helping people be able to have influence over where they want to go with their career. So uh, one of the biggest ways that we do that and one of the biggest reasons people find us and come to us again and again and again is when they when they've gone through and you and I were having a previous conversation about this Jill where you know people are maybe you know 10 years into the their career maybe they're a lawyer they have gone through law school they've now gotten into practicing law and realize that this isn't what I thought it was going to be or or their needs or wants have changed so we help them identify what they really actually want what they're amazing at, their strengths, and then help them figure out how to attach that to the real world in the form of their career. And then we help them make that happen. Would you call yourself a career coach, a career consultant? I know you have the whole podcast, so you're also a host, but like, what is it that you're doing? What do I pay you to do? We have a team of career coaches. I am a coach by nature. I've been coaching leadership and executives and uh, obviously now career changers for about 20 years, just a little bit less than 20 years or so. So I've got a coaching background, but now with our company, we have an entire team of career coaches that do the exact same thing. So what is the training that everyone else is doing to call themselves a career coach usually? And then how does your training differ? Well, here's the reality. To become a coach of any kind, there's no regulatory body or anything else in there that says, you shall only call yourself a coach if you have done these things. That's not in existence with the exception of a couple provinces in Canada and a few other places in the world. So anybody can call themselves a coach. 
And as you might imagine, that can lead to some irregularities within the coaching industry. Part of the training that we have found that is different than what is out there, specifically for career coaches that, that we provide for our own coaches and you know later became something we began training the outside world and too behind the scenes in our company, is we help them understand when to act in different roles. So we teach the actual coaching, which if you, if you ask any coaching purist, really is about how do you ask great questions to mutually accomplish a problem or mutually solve a problem rather that the coachee is working on. And 100% of the solutions are coming from the person sitting in that client chair. However, sometimes, this is what I found again and again and again, and one of the reason, big reasons people come to us as opposed to many other career coaches out there, is if, I ha- if I'm 10 years into my career and I have only ever been an attorney or I've only other, ever been in operations management or I've only ever been in you know, marketing and I want to make a change to something else, but maybe I haven't you know, done tons of interviews or maybe I have you know, not a ton of experience in this other area, is I don't necessarily always know the solutions. And we have found that to be a, a shortcoming in some ways if in traditional coaching all of the solutions are supposed to come from that, that client. So instead, part of what we teach people to do and our own coaches is be able to shift into different roles. When should I act as a consultant or when should I mm. act as a strategist? When should I be in that coaching role? When should, do I need to shift into teaching mode to be able to help provide concepts that they've never heard of before, or never had exposure to? So we have found that people we work with are far, far, far more successful, more rapidly in their career goals and what they want to accomplish if our coaches can actually shift into those different roles and essentially just adapt to providing what the person needs at a particular time. This is Jill on Money. Hi, I'm Jill Schlesinger, certified financial planner, CBS News business analyst, and host of this, the Jill on Money podcast. I'm here to tell you about our sponsor, Marcus by Goldman Sachs. Marcus is part of a storied company that's been a leader in financial services for generations. Marcus offers simple, secure access to FDIC-insured savings products, including a high-yield online savings account that earns four times the national average. Marcus also offers certificates of deposit, including a no-penalty CD. Get inspired by your savings account and start saving today to help meet your financial goals tomorrow. You can money. Visit Marcus.com forward slash save. National average data provided by Informa and accuracy cannot be guaranteed. Marcus Deposits products provided by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, member FDIC. Okay, let's get back to our interview with Scott Anthony Barlow. How can you help some of the people that are, you know, who you're working with if they don't tend to be naturally adaptive? What do you do to help them? Adaptability can actually be looked at in different different forms. Because what I what I've experienced again and again, and we just talked to you know just use an example the other day. We were on the phone with somebody, uh, and she was feeling 
like she's going to work every single day in her organization and she had to be a different person. She had to show up and act like a completely different person than she felt she was. Mm. So we're not, to be clear, we're not talking about that type of adaptability. Right. We're not talking about where you show up to work and have to put on a different face and just like buck up and move through it. That was, that was my first experience as a job and that felt horrific. Instead, what we're talking about is how can you continue to come at things from a different angle for any kind of success. I'm sure you found this in, in your career again and again, Jill, what you try the first time may not work really well. You're going to have to make the mistakes and in some ways come back again and again. And that's more what I have found and seen in terms of the research around adaptability. Here's an example here. I'll, I'll tell you a story about her name was Laura. And she's on my mind because I'm actually interviewing her later today. We're doing a Where Are They Now series on our, our podcast, the Happened to Your Career podcast. A year ago, we started working with her and she was in a place where she had promoted up through the ranks really pretty quickly in her organization. She was making a pretty sizable amount of, of money for both her age and you know, where she was at in a role and every single day that she was going to work she was feeling she was feeling like it was absolutely the wrong place because she peaked out and had stopped growing in some way. She at this point had a team, a pretty large team and was working with all kinds of people that were really passionate about their work, but that made it even worse for her. She, you know, just recently had a, a son. He was 18 months old and now she's coming into work every day. And it's really difficult to be away from your kids when you're not passionate about what you're doing. So mm -hmm. she was, having that terrible experience, much like my experience that I talked about earlier. And she decided she had to do something about it. So she actually didn't do anything about it for over three years oh. but when she finally, yeah, I know, but cause she didn't know what to do quite honestly. And she wasn't sure how to be adaptable when she was faced with this brand new situation. So she eventually found us through, through our podcast and started working with us. And one of the first things that we did was start identifying what she is amazing at, what were her strengths, being able to understand, you know, what, what are those unique talents that, that she has? And when I say strengths, a lot of people think like, Hey, I'm really good at Excel or, you know, I'm an amazing speaker. That's not what I'm talking about. And when I say strengths, I'm talking about what are those things that are underneath the surface that are causing you to be better at learning Excel or making those type of pivot mm -hmm. tables in Excel or whatever it might be. We're not talking about the Excel itself. Some of her strengths were, she's an incredible relator, always able to easily have conversations. She relates to other people very, very easily. That's something that is highly valuable. That's something that can be used in a lot of different ways. So we said, okay, well, how can we help you figure this out? How figure out what your next step can look like while leveraging some of your strengths. So we actually helped her design an experiment to be able to do this because she didn't know necessarily what she wanted to do next. She had some ideas. She said, Hey, I, think I might want to be in innovation or I think that product management could be something that could be great for me. So we've, this is not our first rodeo and we've done this many times and you can do all kinds of reflective work and still not arrive at the perfect solution. So we wanted to create a way for her to be able to test this out and build in some of that adaptability at the same time while getting that feedback and the learnings about whether or not she's heading the right direction. So in her particular case is we had her actually say, okay, let's identify some people in these types of roles 
in these types of positions and these types of organizations that have that. And she began reaching out to, to people in her network that could make introductions to these people. And in some cases, just picked up the phone to have a short chat with them. And she would tell them something like this. She'd say, hey, you know what? I'm getting ready to make a career change in the next you know, three to six months here. And I'm trying to figure out what I really want to be doing. And, you know, I saw that your your position in innovation looked really, really interesting. It's something that I'm considering. And would you mind answering some questions for me? I'd love to schedule a time with you, you know, just 10 or 15 minutes to ask you some questions about your role and what you love, what you don't love. What we found is that someplace between 50 to 70% of the time, people would say yes. I think that when people say I hate networking, it's because they don't realize that networking is not about you taking, it's about you giving. And that you start with that first and that you then say to somebody, you know, how can I help you out, blah, blah, blah. You like kind of pay it forward that you do that in your own life before you start asking for stuff from other people. So what are some signs that you think that people should consider a career change or that what what emotions are they feeling usually that may indicate to you that something's off the rails there? Here's one indicator that we use all the time. Most of us, not all of us, have at least something within our job, within our roles that we're enjoying, something that is probably an indicator that might have to do with uh, with your strengths. And if that piece of your job, your role, or maybe even experiencing it in other places uh, in your life, if you're not getting to do that or use that, like that relator part of Laura, she was no longer getting to use that a lot of the time. And, and you're spending uh, you know, less than an hour, less than two hours, far less than than most of your day, in your role, that's probably a huge indicator that you should be doing something different. One other indicator too is if you're experiencing on an ongoing basis, this is going to sound kind of silly, but I think everybody knows what it is. You feel it in different places in, in your body depending on who you are. But if you're experiencing not the not the good stress, because stress can be good in some different ways and cause you to grow. There's lots of great things that can come from it. But the bad stress for a long period of time on a very regular basis and having that type of apprehension and anxiety that comes along with it, you know, that's happening for, you know, more than a few days, more than a week at a time. That's probably a massive indicator that you should do something about it. Don't stay there for uh, three years like Laura experiencing that or like myself or as experiencing that for over a year. Instead, do something about it now. Those are two really great indicators, paying attention to what's going on in your body, because as crazy as it sounds, mm-hmm. a lot of times those gut feelings, if you will, will guide you in the right direction. Uh, listen, we started the podcast and we asked you what was your best career or financial decision. So what was your worst? Oh, my goodness. Well, I'll tell you my worst financial decision. It was <laughs> at the height of... Let's see. It was probably 2000, 2007, 2000. Yeah, probably 2000. Like right before the 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 Great Recession or whatever we would like to call, you know, the 2008 drop in the in the housing market. I went ahead and my wife and I decided, hey, for some reason, we need to have all the things we had you know, bought our dream cars. So we said, why not buy our dream house, too? Oh, so yeah. we bought right as the market was going up at the very, very, very peak or just before the very peak. 
And then we also decided that, hey, we no longer want to live in the area. And so we moved away. It had the house as a rental for a period of time. And then we sold uh, a year later at probably the market market. Actually, it wasn't quite the market low, but close to it. And we brought, oh my goodness, I want to say $70,000, $80,000 to closing. And we were happy to do so. That's how much the market was going down. The houses right next door to us were selling for fifty dollars or $60,000 less. And so <laughs> that's just bad timing. That's you know what? I feel bad about that because I feel like that's not like a terrible decision. Yeah, you know, whatever. It's you just got stuck a little bit. That's bad luck. Well, not a terrible. It was decision. bad luck. But I also should have paid attention to all of the other signs that were going on around and did that in spite of it. And actually, I have the the checks, a copy of the checks on my wall that I brought to closing to remind me every single day not to make that same type of decision that's driven by greed and not driven by other pieces as well. You're listening to Jill on Money. It's time for the Marcus Minute presented by Marcus by Goldman Sachs. You ready to play? Let's play. What's one word to describe your relationship with money? Ooh, one word. Bittersweet. What's always worth spending on? Those pieces that give me time back. What's the dumbest thing you've spent money on? My dream car. Whose face would you put on the dollar bill? Oh, my goodness. Let's do Howard Schultz. How much do you spend on a haircut? 35 sometimes $36. It's your last day on earth, and you have $100 in your pocket. What would you do with it? I would go buy something for my kids and go and spend time with them. Scott Anthony Barlow, he is the founder and CEO of Happen to Your Career, and he's host of the Happen to Your Career podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you. It was a ton of fun. I appreciate it. Thanks to our guest, Scott Anthony Barlow. We're going to link to his podcast. It's called Happen to Your Career. We drop new episodes of Jill on Money every Tuesday and Thursday. Sometimes we sneak in a Friday bonus, too. If you'd like to subscribe, just go to Apple, Stitcher, Radio.com, Google Play, or anywhere else you find your favorite podcasts. If you'd like to get on the air with us, just send us an email. Ask Jill at JillOnMoney.com. Our music is composed by Joel Goodman. Mark Telercio is our executive producer. We're distributed by Cadence 13. And our show is presented by Marcus by Goldman Sachs.